Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Morning. In this episode, we're talking about alien abductions and fake interviews. That's correct, alien abductions and fake interviews. Now, the story comes to us from UFOinsight.com. And the title says, Bizarre Fake Interviews, a Little-Known Detail of the Alien Abduction Phenomena. And this is written by Marcus Loth, dated July 1st, 2023. And I'll put a link at the Buy Me a Coffee website. And I highly suggest that you check out this site. I think they've got a lot of good material over there. And I really like this guy's uh, writing style. He says, three alien, abduction, three alien abductees investigated by the late Bud Hopkins are intriguing not so much for the abductions themselves but of a seemingly trivial detail involving bizarre interview scenarios that each woman experienced as hopkins investigated these curious setups further he arrived at the conclusion that they are seemingly another layer of the alien abduction phenomena you know i I tell you, I really feel sorry for these people to have to undergo this strange, stressful event. He says, of particular concern is the notion that these truly strange encounters are suggestive of an end goal of hybridization program being directly connected to alien abductions and that the people themselves were alien-human hybrids carrying some part of the mission to this concerning agenda. Now, it might sound far-fetched, but perhaps these people have had, you know, ancestors along the way that have been injected with some sort of gene by these things that are simply being tracked. It wouldn't mean that they aren't that they aren't alien. And I think maybe the term alien-human hybrid here might make these people sound less human than they are. I mean, this could simply be uh, these people being farmed, say. Uh, maybe they've been injected with something to cause their blood to produce a certain kind of chemical or gene or whatever that helps these aliens who knows it goes on it says of course what the end goal of this alien human hybridization program might be is another topic of debate are they looking to invade earth discreetly without us even being aware of it or might they simply leave and venture elsewhere once this program goals have been achieved these questions will perhaps have to wait for another time for now we will concentrate on three encounters mentioned above the cases we are about to examine are documented in the book Sight Unseen, Science, UFO Invisibility, and the Transgenic Beings by Carol Rainey and Bud Hopkins. Of course, Bud Hopkins has passed away now, but he was quite a, an all-star celebrity you know, back in the day with the UFO uh, phenomena and abductee interviews. It says, a letter from Terry Winthrop. After, re after preparing a 25-point questionnaire on alien abduction for the December 1987 edition of Omni magazine, Bud Hopkins, as the questionnaire had requested, began receiving correspondence from people who believed they had indeed been the victim of alien abduction. One such response came from a New Jersey 32-year-old housewife and mother of three who Hopkins gave the false name Terry Winthrop, and for whatever reason, it stood out to him. In it, Terry details an account that took place 14 years previously around 1973 or 74 when she was three months pregnant and her ex-husband when she who was three months pregnant at the time and her ex-husband were driving home following a visit to the jersey shore it was late afternoon and the sun was still bright and high in the sky then however something truly strange happened in the letter terry states as follows the next thing we both the next thing we both knew we were sitting in a parked car and it was dark and we were in a place we'd never been. As they grappled with what had happened, 
they came to the conclusion that there were around two or three hours they couldn't account for. And what's more, they had the feeling that when they found themselves in the parked car, they had only wakened up moments earlier, almost as if they had been brought out of some kind of a bizarre trance. They could also see that they were in a barren sort of field with absolutely nothing at all around them and with no memory of how they had arrived there. Eventually, after gathering their senses somewhat, they put the car in motion and slowly found their way back to the road. However, when they did, it was a road that they were not at all familiar with, and so they were uncertain of which direction to set off in. Ultimately, they eventually found their way back to the road to take them home, and once there, the pair pretty much put the incident out of their mind. However, when Terry read the article that accompanied the alien abduction questionnaire, she had a sudden flash of memory about the incident, which eventually led her to contact Hopkins. Now, this kind of makes me think that she had repressed that memory until this little thing uh, tripped her off. And, you know, I think that does happen with people. Sometimes if you see something traumatic, uh, you can just suppress it in your mind, and then it might not come back to you for years later, maybe after you've had time to to kind of... uh, process information subconsciously, I think. It says in the same letter, Terry also went on to detail a strange event that occurred much more recently in the summer of 1986. She would state that it was a very warm, clear, beautiful night, and she was outside sitting at her picnic table and looking up at the stars. As she did so, she noticed a strange star that appeared to be throbbing and pulsating, making it appear as though it was going forward and backward. She watched this strange star for several moments, almost going into a relaxed state from its glow. Then, for reasons she couldn't explain, she decided to turn her attention to her right. There, just above the next road, was a very large vehicle that was just hovering perfectly still, somewhere between 20 to 30 feet above the ground. She sat up a little so she could see the object a little better through the trees that surrounded her garden, all the while thinking to herself, that this can't possibly be real. She described the object as being a pentagon shape with red, blue, green, and white lights all along the side. So that is a little bit different shape. You know, so often we hear about these flying saucers, but she says this is pentagon shaped with red, blue, green, and white lights along the side. In total, she watched the object for between three to four minutes before it moved forward, slowly and up with a gradual incline. Then it suddenly took off real quick, disappearing from sight in an instant, she says. In a further twist, although the witness didn't sense any missing time, as she had done with her husband a decade and a half earlier, when she returned inside the house and checked her watch, it was much later than she thought it was, although she consoled herself that she was simply outside longer than she thought she'd been before. Well, there you go. She goes back in the house, she sees clearly she's had missing time, but what's her first reaction? First reaction is a normalcy bias. She says, oh, well, it couldn't have been. Terry would return outside for another cigarette a short time later, this time to the front porch. Amazingly, the same object, or at the very least an identical one, it says, appeared from over her house, remaining silent as it moved before disappearing in the distance. Hopkins immediately sensed from some of the details in the letter that Terry was a credible witness, not least as she had at no point in her correspondence insisted that she was the victim of an alien abduction and questioned several times if there was a more rational explanation. She also questioned her own version of events several times, asking if if it was her imagination or if she couldn't be sure about certain details. 
Furthermore, it was also clear that she feared Hopkins himself would believe her to be a crackpot. However, more than that, Hopkins picked up certain details that suggested to him that not only was the missing time episode in the 1970s likely an abduction encounter, but the incident outside her home in the summer of 1986 most likely was too. Hopkins highlights how quite often in alien abduction cases, the abductees often find themselves doing something new or unusual immediately before their abductions with Hopkins even suggesting that this is as if the UFO occupants have somehow were somehow able to compel behavior that facilitated the abductee's capture. We might recall that on that evening, Terry felt a sudden urge to go outside and look at the stars. Was this something that was instilled in her by her abductees? I, I can see this a lot in people when they have these abduction experiences where it's almost like they're drawn into this thing. And maybe that's just because these things are looking for people that are suggestible, suggestible or vulnerable to, you know, uh, take, or they have to have some sort of consent there. I don't know. In fact, it was her description in her letter to him about that second sighting that also drew Hopkins to Terry as a credible and genuine witness. As he highlights, even though she had memories of that strange evening with her ex-husband in the 1970s, she hadn't even entertained it could have been connected to UFOs, much less an abduction. However, upon seeing the strange object from her yard just a just short of a decade and a half later, she suddenly recalled that evening once more. As Hopskin writes, one might one might is tempted to suggest that she did so because subconsciously she knew the two incidents were real. Oh absolutely. That's what I would perceive that is. Another detail that Hopkins picked up was the fact that despite the highly unusual nature of the events in her yard, Terry felt no fear, something which surprised even herself. Ultimately, Hopkins would meet with Terry, and eventually she would undergo hypnotic regression sessions to unlock the memories of these strange encounters, and as we might imagine, these sessions brought forward some remarkable revelations. It says, to begin with, Hopkins would focus on the evening in, early, in the early 1970s when Terry and her husband while returning home after a day at the Jersey Shore. The journey had begun as normal, however, at some stage, Terry's husband had suddenly turned off the main road and headed down several quieter side roads. There you go, that's unexplainable behavior. Terry recalled that although she didn't although he didn't appear fully himself, her husband made several purposeful turns as if he knew exactly where he was going. Even stranger, Terry recalled how not only did she not ask her husband why he had suddenly taken them off the main road, but both remained completely silent, as if nothing out of the ordinary had taken place. It's like they're under some kind of hypnosis. It says, Then this strange behavior turned even stranger when Terry's husband suddenly brought the car off the road and proceeded to drive into the middle of a field. Once there, he calmly brought the vehicle to a stop and turned off the engine. The pair remained inside the vehicle, neither saying a word to each other. It was clear to Hopkins from Terry's description of the moment that both were in some kind of catatonic state. The next thing Terry could recall is that several small gray aliens appeared from somewhere and took the pair out of the car, leading them to a strange object that had seemingly landed in the field nearby. A ramp protruded from this craft, which the aliens led Terry and her husband up. Once they were inside the craft, Terry and her husband were then separated. Terry was taken to some kind of examination room where she was relieved of her clothes and then placed on a table in the middle of the room. Although she didn't understand how she knew, she sensed that her unborn baby was the focus of these alien creatures. 
This, of course, is something that comes up a lot with repeat abductees and something we will examine briefly later. These procedures and exam examinations went on for an undetermined amount of time, after which Terry was led back to the ramp. There, her husband, still seemingly in the same trance-like state as before, was waiting for her. They were both taken back to their vehicle. The next memory, the next memory Terry had was a realizing it was suddenly dark and a feeling confused as to why they were sitting in a car in the middle of the field. As her husband started the car, himself equally confused as to how they had arrived there, Terry began to ask him what had happened. Her questioning irritated him, likely due to his own confusion, and he ignored her, making it clear he wished her to be quiet. This, however, was not the only change in her husband's behavior following the strange incident. As the weeks went by, he became increasingly aware, even paranoid, about the security of their apartment. So much so that he would check and then recheck all the doors and windows several times a day. And once more, this is an interesting detail that shows up in other abductees, often before they are even aware that anything untoward has taken place. Betty and Barney Hill, for example, each experienced this following their abduction encounter, along with the abduction itself that was clear to them. However, when Terry gave birth to their child, her husband's behavior grew even more intense. Wow. This would be, I think, just such a stressful situation to be in if you really believe that you've been abducted and then you're not sure your wife's pregnant. You have, you're beginning to have thoughts of, well, is this child an alien hybrid, possibly, or is this child just uh, some a, a human that they're using as a carrier of some gene or some trait? You have a lot of questions in your mind. One particular day, not long after the birth of their first child, Terry heard the sounds of tools and chains outside of their second floor apartment in the hallway. When she ventured into the hallway to investigate, she was shocked to see that her husband had fitted the door with several sturdy bolts and chain lock. Only these were fitted on the outside. When she questioned her husband on the matter, he informed her matter-of-factly that when he left for work, he would chain the door and then lock it with a heavy padlock. This, of course, would mean she was essentially locked in the apartment while, she, while he was away, something that was her husband claimed for her own protection. Needless to say, the pair quarreled over the matter, with Terry insisting that his reaction was extreme, to say the least. Ultimately, Terry would later inform Hopkins it was this behavior as it progressed that led to the husband separating and then divorcing. However, now, years later, she could see where his change in behavior came from and why her husband changed so much so quickly. As Hopkins continued to investigate Terry's abduction encounter, other strange details emerged. Details that Terry had not all connected to the strange occurrences. Perhaps one of the most intriguing of these was her memories of the man who knew too much. And it is to those revelations that we will turn our attention to next, the author says. Goes on here, it says, At his request, Terry began to tell Hopkins of a time... When she was 16 years old and still in high school, on this particular day, she was sitting in a pizza parlor with several friends when a man approached their table. He was in his 50s or 60s and dressed in a neat suit and tie. You have to wonder if it was black. The man asked Terry if she would like a summer job and if she would like to interview for one. Now that's weird. Terry, wanting to earn some extra money, said she would very much like to interview for a job and gave the man her details so that he could pick her up the following day. Now, I realize this would have been back in the 19, what, 60s or something, but that's still some very strange, troubling behavior. The following day, as he said he would, the man arrived at her home. At this point, Hopkins highlighted how strange it was that both Terry and her mother 
or perfectly at ease with the situation. After all, this gentleman was a complete stranger who offered no proof of who he was. Nevertheless, Terry left her house and got into the car without even considering that she could be putting herself in danger. However, almost immediately after getting in the vehicle, Terry began to feel a sense of trepidation and even rising within her. The man began asking her questions, revealing that he knew details about her that almost no one else did. For example, he would inform her bluntly that although she was happy now, she wasn't happy when her father left, something she couldn't understand how he knew about. He then offered her that she had liked living with her grandparents, which caused Terry to ask if he knew her family. He replied that he didn't. He merely knew her. He went on to reveal further details of her life. Even on the previous day, despite this truly bizarre turn of events, when they arrived at the location, Terry followed the man into what was ultimately an empty office space to conduct the interview. An already strange situation that was about to get a lot stranger and darker. The interview began innocently enough with the man telling Terry that the business would be open in two weeks' time and that although she couldn't recall the specifics of the business, she did recall it involved trucks and people. He led her to a desk that he said she would be working from, basically answering the phone as well as taking messages and keeping records. Then, however, the man's demeanor changed. He began making advances toward her, even placing his hands around her waist. She pulled herself away from him, attempting to make it clear that she was uncomfortable. Undeterred, the man then stated that the job depended very much on her reciprocating his advances. To this, she responded that she no longer wanted, to, wanted the job and that she wished to go home. Rather than flying into a rage, which she fully expected him to do, the man backed down and began leading them back out of the room, saying simply, All right, but you are the, but you are the one I want. The pair walked to the car and they set off, both remaining quiet. However, rather than taking the route back to her house, the strange man took a turn down roads that Terry didn't recognize. When she asked where they were going, the man replied that he had to stop off somewhere to quickly see a friend. The further they got into the middle of nowhere, the increasingly she felt scared. Eventually, the man brought the car to a stop outside a small two-story house. He went to get out of the car, asking Terry to wait in the vehicle for him. Rather than making a run for it, as the man walked to the house, she simply slumped down at the seat and watched him approach, and watched him approach the front door. As Hopkins asked her to view these events further, it became clear that the house was not a house at all. The more she looked at the house, the more it began to change. She realized it wasn't a two-story house at all, but one level with a smooth roof. The more she concentrated, the more the house looked funny, elaborating that it keeps going back and forth. It looks like a house, then it looks like not a house. Then she made a particularly revealing claim. She offered that the house looks all metal and that there were little windows along the bottom. When she looked at the door, it also looked strange, like an awning, but it's not an awning. She also had some startling revelations about the overall scene, specifically just who the mystery man was meeting. She recalled there were several other ones and that they were smaller and all looked the same with no hair. By comparison, the man looked like a giant standing next to them. She also recalled that these smaller creatures appeared to have a great interest in her as they all turned their attention to the car, staring intently inside at her. Then one of them approached the side of the car and opened the door. As soon as the door was open, Terry stepped outside, unsure why she was doing so, almost as if she wasn't fully in control of her own decision-making and movements. She further recalled that she was feeling scared, but I'm not doing anything. Although the following details were sketchy and a little disoriented, Terry recalled another other creatures approaching them and then walking with her. 
She recalled that there was no apparent destination to the walk, simply that they walked down a dirt road and then walked back. The next thing she realized, she was back inside the car. We have to imagine that something occurred during this walk. Well, clearly to me, this woman's being manipulated. You know, and this goes back to what are the motives of these things? I mean, if that was just taking basically mind control somebody to do everything from strange experiments up to physical assault, uh, you have to, you really have to, you really have to take this information in as you assign a personality profile to these aliens. Clearly what Terry was, de was describing was some kind of meeting between the man and several gray alien creatures. Furthermore, the house, at least what she perceived and recalled as a house, was in fact an apparent disc or oval-shaped object, ultimately a UFO. Following these revelations, Terry recalled how the man simply returned to the car and drove her home. Indeed, there are many details in Terry's account that resonate with other UFO and alien abduction counters. And you can go ahead and, like I said, I'll put a link and you can read that if you want to. But what I take from this first part of this article here, talking about this Terry Winthrop case, is that at first she had uh, memories of one alien abduction. And then there was a second one. And then as Hopkins took her into this hypnotic regression, she started to remember details. And she basically came up with what would have been a third alien abduction. But before that first alien abduction, there seemed to be this interview process where she was picked out of a crowd by this strange person, which she thought was a person, which maybe was just some sort of humanoid alien. And they interview her, they select her, and even though she tries to get away from them, you find that she's, she's, she is just basically her, her will is overridden. So you could safely say she was forced against her will into this very first abduction as a teenager. And who knows what happened on there. But then through uh, important points in her life, like when she gets married and when she's uh, pregnant with this first child, she undergoes this, this alien abduction again. So you start off with this interview, then you have an immediate abduction, then you have a second abduction when she gets pregnant, and then the third, almost like a follow-up abduction down the road, as if they're tracking her. I think definitely is going on here. From the interview process to these multiple abductions um, and to the alien implants, and, and you know what? It's one of those things that you never hear brought up in any of these congressional hearings. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.